Hi guys, so I'm back again. Like I said, I would be releasing three episodes back to back. So this is the second one. And it's going to be a continuation of episode four, which is God our provider. Um, And then, yeah, we move into episode six after this. So a quick recap. I did mention that God is pretty much interested in the understanding that we have of him. And if you read Matthew 16, 13, you realize that God actually is interested in what we think of him. He's interested in the fact that we know him for who he is and we don't just know him from hearsay. Um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, others say prophet, some say Elijah. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So, this kind of makes us understand that there's sometimes we know God from the essays from what people have told us, from what we've seen on social media, from what we've watched on TV. And to be honest, it's not always right. I mean, if you look at the story of Job, if you look at the story of Job, you realize that by the time God came to talk to Job, Job did mention that what he had heard was from hearsay. What he had heard was from the person of the wind, meaning how what he knew God to be or how he knew God to be was majorly from what he had heard people ascribe to God or people describe God to be. And then now he realized that, oh, that isn't actually who God is. We don't realize that God is love. God is the best definition of what love is and so knowing that God is interested of God is interested of on um, who we know about him which in turn will strengthen our revelation about him will strengthen the relationship we have strengthen the communication that we have with him we get to know him better and in turn we can pray the right way we can study the right way we can tell others about him the right way if you look from the beginning of time here let's go back to the creation adam and eve adam was created you can find this in Genesis, you can skip one if you don't want to read about when he created the sun and the stars, then you can start from two. But in the book of Genesis, God made man 
and he was a siege by which the rest of mankind was to come. And then he made Eve woman out of man. And when God made the world, he made the world perfect. That's something we all, we all need to note. The world was made perfect. It was faultless. It was beautiful. And we know this because that's what was mentioned in the Bible. The world was made faultless and everything. And God gave or put man or mankind in the Garden of Eden, saying, you shall not eat this fruit. Or rather, yeah, you, should, like, you can have every other thing except this one. And Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Mankind disobeyed God. And the moment they disobeyed, because of that act of disobedience, sin came into the world. And with sin came all the disasters, all the sicknesses. Basically, the world became fallen. And that's why you would hear people say, oh, we live in a fallen world, we live in a fallen world. That's what they mean. It wasn't so at the beginning. This wasn't this wasn't what God created at the beginning. And so by that act of disobedience, like I said earlier, sin came into the world. And so the rest of mankind was affected. The rest of mankind had the nature of sin. And if you think about it logically, it makes sense. I mean, when your mom and your dad come together and they give birth to you, you realize that you look like your mom and you look like your dad. You realize that if you do a DNA test, they're going to tell you, oh, this is your dad and this is your mom. You have 99.9% percentage, blah, blah, blah. And then your insides, your chromosomes, your your um, your blood type, everything about you in your body system has a bit of genetic relation to both your mom and your dad. And so if that can happen, how much more the fact that God says because of the, uh, that act of disobedience, sin came into the world and so the rest of us, the moment we are born, we are sinful by nature. I mean, think about it. Why would Moses give the laws to the people of Israel if they weren't so bad? The only reason why we have laws, the only reason why we have rules to follow is because we've seen how bad people can get. And so we create these laws and rules to have a bit of sanity, to have a bit of normalcy in the community. I mean, the only reason you would know that, oh, to kill someone, to kill your fellow man, because you've seen it happen. And then you decide, you know what, if anyone is caught, if anyone is found um, guilty of killing his or her fellow man, you'll be charged to court and sent to jail, and then the law is enforced. That's how it works, right? We all know that. That's just simple logic. That's just the way things have been. And so when I say because Adam who was a representative of the rest of mankind sinned or rather he disobeyed God and so now they knew what shame was and that's why they hid away from the presence of God because they eating that fruit disobeying God when he had given that instruction to not eat it and then going around to disobey his instructions 
suddenly brought something that God did not create. They suddenly knew what shame was and so they hid away. They suddenly knew that they were naked and that's why when God called out to them and they said, oh, we are naked, God was like, oh, you've eaten of the fruit because how else would you know? How else would you know what shame is? How else would you, you know? And so God had to send them away from the Garden of Eden. Not to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to explain why he sent them out of the Garden of Eden probably towards the end of the episode. But moving on. Moving on, if you read John 1.14, when you read um, John 1, let's start from 10 actually. I'm going to be reading from the NLT. It says, he came into the very world he created. This is referring to God, of course. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now, let's read... Colossians, or probably I should hold on on that first. So when you read John, John 1, 10 to 14, you realize that God came out of himself to earth. And the reason why he did that was so that he could save us, so that he could show us the way to live, so that we could know that even as humans, we can have the nature of God and live right by God. So God had to come out of himself to become man, to reveal God's true nature, to take away our sins, and so to teach us how to live like him. Colossians 1.15, right, says that Jesus is the, is the visible image of God. And so you realize that God as a whole, like I said in the last episode, this wasn't a last minute plan. This wasn't an afterthought of, oh, a man has sinned, what am I going to do now? No, 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 he knew. And so God came out of himself to be man. And so he came in the form of Christ. Now have Jesus Christ to save us, to show us what it's like to live like Christ, to show us that he has been there i have been a man and so i know what you're going through as a man i know what you're going through as a man and as a woman and so you're going to use me as an example to live right to live like me to have my nature i'm going to show you the way and then you can follow suit okay so you don't serve jesus because of what you can get like money-wise, car-wise, you know, riches, prosperity, and all of that. Of course, Christ wants us to be comfortable. No doubt about that. He wants us to be comfortable. He wants the very best for us. But that isn't the primary reason why Christ came to earth. He came 
to show us the way. He came to give us the gift of salvation. By grace are we saved. All right? And so when God created the world, he gave us dominion over the earth. He gave us free will. He gave us the choice to choose him. He wasn't fussing his love on us. He never did. He's not forcing you to worship him. He's not forcing you to have a relationship with him. But he is saying that this is who I am. And so the world is a fallen world. And for you to be able to live above it, for you to be able to strive, for you to have eternal life, I'm saying, choose me so that I can give you a better life. I can give you life after now. I can take you to a place where it's all joy and happiness and gladness all true. That's what he's presenting. I mean, remember, he made the world perfect before Adam ate that fruit, disobeying God and thereby allowing sin, calamity, disasters to come into the world. So remember that by nature we are sinners and sin grows. Killings, mothers and all of those things keep getting worse and worse. And so he has given us the earth to dominate over. And so to be able to strive above all the chaos and all the pandemic and all the problems that we're going to face, all the challenges, all the storms that would come, we need God. But also, God needs men to do his bidding, to be able to, you know, stay above all of the chaos, to be able to find rest, to be able to find satisfaction in him. He's not saying that you're not going to face or have problems now. You're definitely gonna have problems. You're gonna, you're, 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 you're definitely gonna face challenges. But the thing that we need to realize is, with Christ, we face those challenges and storms in joy and peace. You find yourself not worried for one, like you're not even worried for a bit. Instead, there is this inner peace that fills you up because you're finding your rest and joy in God's word. Okay. And so we realize that for us to, you know, find a way, or rather, for us to live above all of that, men have to align to God's bidding. Men have to align to his will. Men have to yield to his will. If you look at 1 Kings 17, 8, he had instructed a, a woman to feed um, Elijah, only for him to go and the woman said the food I have is little it's for just me and my son and then we will die because they didn't have anything now God had told him to go to this woman that he had told the woman to give him food and then he went to her and then she was saying something different did God lie? no God did not lie the truth is sometimes or most times when you pray your answers lie in someone else because God is not going to come down again to give you the answer. Most times your answers lie in the hands of men. And so men and women. And so you might be praying for something. And then God is entrusted or in, God has told one of his sons or daughters to, you know, come find you or meet you somewhere. And then for you, it feels like a coincidence, but God has actually, like, God made it so. And so he sends his son or his daughter to meet you somewhere or something weird, you know? And then the person says, oh, 
I've been looking for you. I don't know you, but I feel led to give you this. I feel led to help you do this. I feel... We've had such coincidences happen so many times in our lives. That is what I mean by God needing men to do his bidding. He's not going to force anything on anybody. Like I said, his love is purely by choice. He has chosen to love us by letting his son die on the cross and giving us the gift of salvation. But he's not going to forcefully expect us to love him in return. But he's saying, this is what I've done for you. Choose me if you want. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's not going to fuss it on you. He's not going to fuss it on anybody. Another example is in the book of Acts 9:10, when God instructed um, Ananias to go and heal Saul. And I remember reading that scripture and seeing that Ananias actually complained, you know, trying to remind God that, ah, isn't this the same sword that has been persecuting Christians? Why would you want me to go and heal him, you know? This is the same person that has been wicked, that has been so mean and so, oh, he has done so many bad things to your children, God. Why would you want me to go there? And God instructed him, go and heal my son. So I have told Saul that you are coming. And God did tell Saul that he was sending someone to come and heal him. Now, imagine if Ananias had said, I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm not going. I'm not going. That man is a wicked man. Why would you want to heal him? I'm not going there. I'm not going to meet him. God is not going to punish him. He's not going to get angry over the fact that he is refusing to go. But that doesn't also mean that God lied to Saul when he said he had sent a man to come and meet him. So this makes us to realize that our answers, everything we pray for, actually has an answer. The moment we pray about it, it has been answered. But man needs to yield to God to do his bidding. A lot of people also have misconception about the Old Testament and the New Testament. I remember I mentioned that in the last episode. And so, most of us think that the God in the Old Testament is wicked. Why would he slay people? Why would he kill people? Why would he do this and that? I can't go through every single story or every single book in the Old Testament to explain and point you to what the right explanation is or what God actually was trying to do. But I can mention two, and maybe I will think about it. <laughs> maybe I will think of doing an episode on the Old Testament, highlighting the types and shadows and highlighting God's love in every single story. It's probably going to be too long. I'm not sure people are willing to listen to that, but we'll see how that goes. So, let's start with Adam and Eve. Most of us think that it was wicked of God to drive out Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Why would he drive them out? He He must have been really angry at what they had done. Now, the thing is, God didn't necessarily drive Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden out of anger 
rather he did it out of love and protection. Remember, in the book of Genesis, it mentioned that there was a tree of knowledge, you know, and then there was the tree of life in the garden. Now, that tree of life, imagine would have happened what would have happened if Adam and Eve had eaten the tree of life guys what would have happened to all of us now oh my goodness I can just imagine I could just imagine how oh goodness you guys (laughs) oh wow Look, Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruits, you are sure to die. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I would make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord formed from the ground. And then I think that's the story of how he made... Um, Eve when it caused man to fall deeply in, in um, sleep and then he took one of Adam's rib to make woman right so we see that there was an instruction to Adam not to eat not to eat from it But then we forget to mention that there was actually, there was actually a tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And so if Adam and Eve had eaten it, if they had eaten it, we would wallow in sin without any form of redemption or salvation forever let me explain what i mean if adam had eaten that fruit then would have been finished because imagine having eternal life because i mean that's the tree of life right so now imagine having eternal life but while having the nature of sin so now you've disobeyed god and now sin has come into the world, disaster has come into the world, tsunamis have come into the world, various forms of sicknesses and diseases that were not created by God have come into the world because of that act of disobedience. And now, you go ahead and eat the tree of life. (laughs) Basically, yeah, Christ, who is supposed to come to save us, give us salvation if we believe and the fact that he has taken the punishment for our sins and died for us on the cross and so when he died we died and then when he rose we rose with him and so we've been made righteous because we believe in christ and so if they have eaten that tree there would have been no point for christ to come because now we are we have the nature of sin eternally because of that singular act of adam by eating the tree of life so imagine having malaria imagine having ebola imagine having um cancer but forever because there is no end to it because now you're 
you're going to wallow in that forever. Imagine having tsunamis just last forever. Things going wrong forever with no end to it, with no savior in sight. Because the one thing that God was supposed to give us, which was eternal life, has now been given, or rather has now been taken away by Adam eating that fruit. And so, we need to realize that when he drove them out of the Garden of Eden, he did that out of love. He was done out of love to protect us so that he could still send his son to give us salvation, which is by grace, which is not something that we earned, which is something that's just purely given to us by grace. Another one is Cain. When, like, same way, I think you can read that in Genesis 4, right? Where we read and we think that, oh, why did God put a mark on Cain? Why, you know, that was something wicked to do and all of that. But then when you read it in context, you realize that it was actually protection. I mean, Cain had just killed his brother. Come on. Cain had just killed his brother out of jealousy. And God warned him, told him that sin was knocking at his door. He warned him, if you read Genesis 4, he actually warned Cain, but yet he went ahead and did it. And when God asked him where his brother was, he said, oh, I'm not my brother's keeper. How can that be your response after killing your own brother? And so when God put that seal over Cain, it wasn't out of wickedness. It was more out of love and protection because he didn't want anyone to touch him. He wanted Cain to be safe. He wanted Cain to be alive. He didn't want people around to kill Cain. And so we realize that reading the Bible in context is actually very important and needed. Because when you do that, you tend to see the love of God shine through right even from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so, this just teaches you, uh, make or brings you to the point where you learn that God is actually your father. Like, he's your other father. He's the one that you go to in time of need, in time of distress, joy, whatever the situation might be, good or bad, he is there. He's the definition of love, the utmost definition of love. And so everything he does is out of love. Everything he does is literally out of protection. And so this was what I learned in the second sermon that prostitutes are actually taught. And so in the third one, we actually learned how we are like God, how we have the same spirit of God in us. So I'm going to do another episode to explain that. And then probably do another episode on the reliability and validity of the Bible. I think that episode is long overdue. So I should be dropping that by next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Let's hope. So I hope you learned a lot. I hope that your mindset or the picture of God you have has changed. I hope that um, you come into understanding of who God is. 
hope that you actually come into a clear understanding of who God is because he changes everything. He changes how we how we relate to him and how we see him and how we communicate and have a relationship with him. So yeah, that comes. I think we've come to the end of this episode and so see you in the next episode. God loves you. Bye.